Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Feeling good on this Friday evening after a day spent in front of my television. There have been many of those over the last eight months, but none quite like yesterday and today. Of course, I'm talking about the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. A tradition where I sit on my couch and develop a groove unlike any other. And Al's brother, let's get the music pulled down a little bit because I have a lot to say on the Masters. And when you, when you spend about 12 hours watching it, that's tends, that tends to happen. And, of course, we know the leaderboard. Abraham Answer, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson at nine under par. Patrick Cantlay, Sung J M, Hideki Matsuyama, and John Rahm at eight under. We're going to break it all down, not only from an on-course perspective, but also from a gambling perspective, because, shocker, I wagered a lot on the Masters. I don't think anyone who's heard this show before is surprised to hear that, but a lot of interesting wagers on the board, not only ones that have already been placed, but also ones to come through round three and round four down at Augusta National. I need to give a shout-out to the amazing work that TSN, the coverage from Lindsay Hamilton, Mark Sakino, and the crew at the studio is doing an unbelievable job. Of course, Duthie, Dillette, and Bob Weeks, the whole squad down at Augusta is doing remarkable work, as they always do. But without further ado, let's welcome in... The man behind the glass, it's Al's brother, live from Agent Court at the TSN 1050 Studios. What's up, Al's bro? How are you? Hey, Kay. Doing well, doing well. Happy for the weekend to be here. No kidding, my man. And, you know, of course, we have the Masters. And, and this Sunday that we have coming up, like the Masters coverage will probably start around 8 a.m., as it tends to do now, because they want to get the NFL games in after the coverage has concluded, right? They, they kind of backfill the schedule, where a lot of the NFL games are at 4 o'clock, as opposed to... Uh, the reverse, a lot of games at one, and and the there are fewer at four. But this week, because of the Masters coverage, it's reversed. I can't fathom a better day than this coming Sunday, where we post it up and enjoying just a spectacular cornucopia of sporting events. Are you with me? Oh, it's gonna be fantastic! Like especially if you know you got Tiger in contention on Sunday. Like there's no Maybe. better sports than Tiger in contention on a Sunday, especially at Augusta. Like, I was captivated last year, and if he's doing it again, like, my eyes will be just peeled to the television uh, instead of watching football, which I normally spend my Sundays doing. So Yeah. Well, we'll be doing both, I'm sure. And you mentioned Tiger Woods. He's four under for the week. He has seven and a half holes to go in his second round. He will resume his second round Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, with his second shot from the left rough at 11. And, of course, the, the you know, the... The time of year where the sun sets a little bit earlier is a little bit problematic down in Augusta. We'll get into all that with Adam Scully of Golf Talk Canada, who makes his edge debut in about seven minutes' time. But let's sneak in some NFL talk before we get to the Masters, Al's brother, and let's crack out a segment. We haven't done so in quite some time. Show me the meaning. Is this a meaningful stat? A meaningful, I talk it about meaningful, add that word, meaningful. Or a meaningless number. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. What do you mean? 
Man, why aren't we using that sting more, Ross Brother? You're the producer of this program. Why aren't you forcing me to use that? I forgot how awesome that was. Yeah, actually, that's great I totally work. forgot. That was a yeah, fantastic sting. Yeah, uh, that's uh, uh, from Christoph Mamona. Christoph Mamona crafted that sting. No surprise. He's the producer of the Rubber Boots podcast, the Beauties podcast, amongst other great things here at TSN 1050. The man is a genius, and that sting personifies it. So let's get to some questions here. Meaningful stat or meaningless number? We're looking ahead to Week 10 in the NFL from a betting perspective, of course. Tom Brady, and we know what happened to the Buccaneers on Sunday night against the Saints. They were absolutely annihilated. That game was not close and was never close. Tom Brady, 17-3 and against the spread after a loss in his last 20 games, and the Bucks are in Carolina. They are six-point favorites. How's brother, is that a meaningful stat or a meaningless number? Sorry, repeat that one more time. I apologize. The whole thing? That's too long. We're just going to move on because that was a long preamble no, was to three, right? it was, that was seven, the 17 and 3 yes. against the spread after a loss in, in his last 20 games. Yeah, that's all I wanted was, was that number. And, and I think that is a meaningful stat. And I'll tell you why. I'm not usually one who likes these type of stats where you carry over year from year. But a guy like Tom Brady, when you're just taking the last 20 games, that's a, 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 a sample size that is recent enough for me to think that that matters. If you're talking about over the course of his career, that that doesn't matter because the Tom Brady that he was back in 2005 is not the same Tom Brady that he is now. But 16 games ago, you know, week four of last year, he is kind of pretty well the same guy, still over 40 years old, and I think that it does matter. Tom Brady's a guy, when he's got a chip on his shoulder, he's a tough man to beat. So I do like Tom this weekend and a bounce-back performance. I am very eager to see how the Bucks' offense comes out after a pitiful performance on Sunday. And we know Antonio Brown was there. We know Chris Godwin's Mike, e- Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, the running backs. Everyone was there. Just the performance was not there. And that also coming off a game against the Giants the previous week where they were terrible as well. So they need a bounce back. And perhaps the loss of Christian McCaffrey suffered by the Panthers might be a blessing for the Bucks. Because Mike Davis, although he has acquitted himself well, is not Christian McCaffrey. Let me ask you this, Al's brother. Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback of the aforementioned Panthers, 21-4 and against the spread as an underdog in his career. That is, that is the best cover percentage as an underdog in NFL history. As I said before, the Panthers' six-point dogs hosting the Bucks. Is that meaningful or meaningless? Yeah, see, that one I find to be meaningless, especially when you consider that Teddy Bridgewater is on a brand-new team, brand-new system, brand-new everything. Yes, he's been successful so far in his career uh, against the spread, but when you're talking about playing for three different clubs, I think that it's a meaningless stat. All right, that makes makes a lot of sense to me. I like the consistency in your thought process. I was, brother, great work. I want to wrap with this one. It's Monday Night Football. It's the Vikings and it's the Bears. And Kirk Cousins is 0-9 straight up and 0-9 against the spread in his career on Monday Night Football. That is right. 0-9 against the spread on Monday Night Football. Does that mean anything to you? It used to mean nothing to me, but nine times out of nine times isn't an anomaly anymore. That is straight up fact. And that is a meaningful stat when you're looking to put some money down on this game. Stay far away from the Vikings, people. The Vikings' three-point favorites at Chicago. And not only is Cousins 0-9 against the spread in his career on Monday night, seven of the nine losses are by two touchdowns or more. 
and three of the losses came as a favorite. Of course, that is the situation in the in which the Vikings find themselves in on Monday night. So we'll get into so much more in the NFL when Don Padula joins us for his regular visit in about 20 minutes. The Ravens at the Patriots only laying seven points seems a tad confusing to me. Does not make much sense. I think the Ravens are vastly superior to the Patriots. On the subject of vastly superior, the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Buffalo Bills. I love in Arizona, and I'll tell you a little. I'll tell you about it a little bit later, and exactly why. And we'll talk about the survivor pools as well because a lot of teams have Green Bay remaining, and I'm struggling to find a reason not to take the Packers, who are hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jake Luton, who was prominently featured on last week's show. The sixth-round rookie quarterback out of Oregon State, who's starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars, acquitted himself quite well. Will he be able to do so again in Week 10? We'll get to that and much more a little bit later. But next, Adam Scully, Golf Talk Canada, will break down the first two rounds of the Masters and look ahead to the weekend. Long shots to bet on? Let's figure that out. That's up next on The Edge. Back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to the pod and give us a nice rating. And I have a feeling that after you hear the amazing eloquence of our next guest, who's many in many respects the Jim Nance here, at least on The Edge, and certainly on Golf Talk Canada. His name is Adam Scully. Let's welcome in, him in to make his debut on the program. What is up, my friend? How are you? Hello, friend. Thank you very nice. much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Before we get into the betting, round number 98, how did it go today? How did you know about round number 98? I, You know what? I was actually driving into the building at approximately 6 a.m. this morning, and I heard you, t- you uh, tell a story. You were going out for number 98. Yes. You couldn't get to the century, Mark? You couldn't get there? So let me tell you, Adam, I had a little <laughs> bit of a lull. I had a swoon, a late-season swoon, uh, where I was unable to hit the golf ball, and all of a sudden something clicked. My last four rounds, 77, 79, 81, 81. I was dialed in, Ooh. and it's over. It's over, man. I guess we're just going to go wow. to Swing Golf Lounge and, and uh, hack it around there for you know the remainder of the winter until spring comes around. But things are going well here, and things are going very well down at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Augusta National Golf Club for a number of players, including, and let's start with the guys at the top and the betting favorites, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, and... Justin Thomas. So Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, to say those names in succession, a little bit difficult. I'm just realizing that now. But John Robbins, the betting favorite at plus 350. He's eight under par with a number of holes still to go in the second round. DJ and JT are finished for round two, heading into round three. If you were laying your money on one of those three to win the Masters this year, Adam, who would it be? You know, it would probably be Dustin Johnson. The way he's walking around Augusta National now, and I'm not sure if it's because there aren't any patrons on the ground, just a couple of media walking around with each, each group. You know, he's reacting as if, he, as if he's just playing a casual practice round with his buddies. He's at 31 greens in regulation through two rounds. The guy is just a ball-striking machine right now. Justin Thomas has been up and down. He had a number of birdies each of the last two days, but some a couple of double bogeys, a bogey or two. And then John Rahm, to me, is always a wild card. Yes, he has played some great golf at Augusta National, Augusta National, I should say, back-to-back top tens in each of the last two years. You know, the attitude with him, it seems like he's he's finally maturing, and we don't really see those outbursts anymore. And it's really, a, he's shown some great play as well, you know, after starting two over through three uh, in, on Thursday to come the way he has. I would expect that he is going to be the... 
36 hole leader, but I would still put my money at DJ. What I'm seeing right now is a plus six, 600 for DJ right now. He is Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada, our guest here on The Edge on TSN 1050. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Bryson DeChambeau pretty early. It was a very eventful round. The lost ball and everything that ensued from there and some struggles and really a depressed look on his face for much of the second round. He was plus 550 to miss the cut at the Masters, minus 1,100 to make the cut. And to put that into perspective, he was plus 800 to win the tournament as a whole. Do you think Bryson will make the cut, Adam? You know what? I really do think he will, and I think this break will help him. Uh, you know what? It, it seemed like he was just sort of in a, in a world of hurt. Even Nick Faldo said after he hit his chip on the 10th hole that he could just tell he wasn't into it. And then what's he do? He hits. He takes the most extreme line possible on the 13th hole, only has 124 yards into a par 4. That is absolutely ludicrous to have that number in. I think that this break will help him. I think he'll make the cut on the number or maybe just below. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he, he can go on a bit of a run on uh, Saturday and Sunday. He'll need some super low rounds. I, I wouldn't throw any dollars on him. I'm, I'm seeing him at about 66 to 1 right now. That's That still seems a little extreme for a guy who's, what, 10 or 11 shots off the lead, but yeah. it's been a wild ride for Bryson. The big bulk so far. The big bulk, and it's been a wild ride for Rory McIlroy as well. You talk about <laughs> what happened in the morning uh, to Rory, and then goes out and shoots a 66 in the second round. He sits at three under. I'm seeing him go off at about 59 to one. And hmm. think about Rory, who clearly is capable of going low. We just saw him do so. I'm thinking there could be some value betting on Rory, especially if he puts together a big Saturday on moving day. You know what, I couldn't agree more, and, and to go on your earlier point, he looked absolutely lost on the golf course this morning, missing the 16th green by 20 yards, and you could hear him say on the broadcast, oh, that's so bad, and what's he do? He looks like a completely different human on the, sec on, uh, the second 18 today. Ball striking machine again, wasn't really making any putts, so Rory McIlroy at 51, 59 to 1, that's a great value pick for those out there. He's only six shots off the lead. I want to ask you what you think the final score will be, because I believe Tiger was 15 under last year, correct, when he won? You know what? I believe he was 13. Was it 13? Okay, was, was it thir yeah. 13? Okay, so do you, if, you, if I gave you an over-under of, let's say, minus 16 and a half for the winner, would you take the over or the under? Yeah, I, I said last week on our Golf Talk Canada Masters preview show, I was thinking between 14 and 16. I, I think it will be 14 or 15 under par. I really think they always talk about the sub-air system at Augusta. I really think they're going to crank it up a little bit. Last year in the third round, we saw so many record-tying uh, low scores during the Saturday third round. I think we might see something similar again. And, you know, Sunday at Augusta, there are always heroics and, and a lot great theater that goes on, especially on that backside with some of those great pin locations. But I'm thinking around 14 or 15 under. What do you think? Uh, I, I think it's it's going to be 16. And I just think about the two guys at the top. And we haven't talked about Cameron Smith or um, or Abraham Anser, who mm -hmm. share the lead with, with DJ and JT. But and, and like it was a pretty uneventful three under for JT, but I feel like those guys are just dialed in, and yeah. it's soft. The golf course is soft, and these guys are just putting on a clinic of ball striking. I think the winner's probably going to be 16 or 17, which brings me to Tiger Woods, who's four mm -hmm. under par. He is, I guess, currently has his second shot from the left rough, rough at 11, seven and a half holes to go uh, in his second round. What do you think he needs to do 
in the last seven and a half holes in the second round to put himself with a real shot to win this tournament again? Yeah, so first of all, I think the leader, I, I'm going to say Rom is going to be the leader, call it 10 under. So for Tiger, I really think he needs to get to at least 6 under and probably 7 under to have a chance on the weekend. Don't forget, he teed off on the back nine first on Thursday and went 4 under on that side. So I, I think he has to shoot somewhere around the same same score. The 12th hole looks pretty gettable, 13 and 15 obviously pretty gettable, and the 16th hole it has got a pr- pretty favorable pin location there as well. I really think Tiger's got to, you know, go low. And um, in terms of his swing, it, it looks like his back is loose. He's shaping the ball well both ways. And throughout, you know, since returning from the pandemic pause, he's really hit this slappy cut only to the right. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But the way Tiger's shaping it both ways, if he can get that putter hot, we saw him miss a three-footer at the absolute most on the third hole, which was scary to watch, quite frankly. I think Tiger can be in the mix if he can get to six or seven under par through 36 holes. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think Tiger's going to need to do some damage on 13 and 15 uh, yeah. when he resumes tomorrow morning because JT and DJ, those guys terrify me right now. They are so <laughs> dialed in, and they're so lethal. To expect them to post anything worse than 70 in the final yeah. two rounds, I think, would be folly. So Tiger's going to have to go low, and it's going to be a very <laughs> unique uh, last couple of days, especially considering much like today, these guys are going to be going out, a lot of these guys are going to be going out early and then having to finish up, hopefully, their rounds in the dark or pretty close to it. Let me ask you, Adam, is there anyone mm-hmm. you're eyeing around maybe two, maybe one, two, three under par that you think could make a legitimate run? And we talked about Rory McIlroy, who's at three under. Anyone else you're eyeing, maybe a long shot that our listeners could look at to make a wager on heading into tomorrow? Yeah, for sure. So I have a couple guys here, Aaron. First of all, Webb Simpson's at three under. He's got about a five or six footer on 15. That, that's going to be his first shot tomorrow morning. I'm seeing him at around 66 to one. If he makes that putt, he's right in the mix. How about Mark Leishman? He's got a five footer on 15 as well to get to five under. I'm seeing him at 150 to one. Two career top tens at the Masters doesn't really have some great form coming into this tournament, but he could be another guy with some good value of guys who are in that three to four under range. Looking a little closer, a guy I was really high on pre-tournament, Xander Shoffley. He's three shots off the pace at 20 to one. And then for me, you know me, I I enjoy working out. I enjoy trying to hit bombs out there. (laughs) Phil Mickelson at 100 to one and Brooks Kepka. Come on, 22 to one. Brooks Kepka. I'm all over that. Yeah, I mean, Brooksy is a, that's a pick right there. This guy is absolute nails on the weekend of majors, and to get him at 25 to 1, he played really well in round two, and we saw what he did the past weekend at the Houston Open. I think Brooks is a, is a man who people should not be sleeping on. Man, I cannot wait for Saturday. I cannot wait for Sunday. I know you guys have some awesome stuff going up, going on uh, with Golf Talk Canada. Why don't you show, share that with the audience? Yeah, so we, we, our schedule has been updated because of that weather delay on Thursday. That's really moved things around. Of course, TSN's coverage is on literally all day. Uh, you can watch it on TSN, uh, James Duthie, Bob Weeks, Graham Dillette down there. But for Golf Talk Canada on radio, we are live 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning on TSN 1050. We were also supposed to be radio on television on TSN 3 simulcast at the same time. But because Tiger Woods and Bryson and Paul Casey and other guys are still on the golf course, our show has now been moved to Monday. So we have two Golf Talk Candidates coming up. The one tomorrow morning at 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And then Monday, we have a bonus show 
from 10 until noon, 10 a.m. until noon, we'll have a master's recap special. Mark Zucchino and myself, Bob Weeks, will be driving back on the magic bus during that mm. time from Augusta National. And you can also watch that show from noon until 2 on TSN 2, right before the master's encore coverage on TSN. It'll be a crazy weekend, a busy weekend, but it's the new best time of the year. You guys are doing an awesome job. I can't wait to be tuned in for that and all the coverage on TSN as well. Thank you for doing this, my friend. Enjoy moving day and enjoy Masters Sunday. I'm sure we will reconnect soon. Appreciate it, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right. That is Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada. Man, a lot of good wagers. Mark Leishman, 150 to 1. And you heard Adam detail exactly where these guys are. And I wonder if the odds makers are factoring that in. So you can get Webb Simpson at 66 to 1. With a putt to go to six under, which would put him with just three shots back. Webb Simpson's a top ten player in the world. I'm seriously entertaining that one, and I love the Mark Leishman play. 150 to one for a guy who'll be four shots back. That's uh, that is something that is very enticing and something I am going to at least sprinkle heading in to tomorrow morning. I'm Aaron Karolnik. Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge, is going to join us next. So much to get to in week 10 of the NFL. As we always do with Dom on Fridays, we look into the Survivor Pool slate. If you're still alive, you need to listen to what Dom has to say because he's not only broken down this week, but the weeks to come and the decisions that you need to make for those as well. Back on the Edge in just a moment. We are back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, and I am pumped to speak to our next guest. Don Padula joins us as he does every Friday evening. He is the executive producer of TSN Edge. What is happening, my man? How are you? I'm good, man. I can't believe it's already week 10. It feels like just yesterday we were getting started week one, you know, brand new NFL season, lots of excitement. Yeah. I feel like that's all just nerves now as we get to the final few weeks of survivor pools and fantasy and a chance to really cash in on this season dom christmas is six weeks away where has 2020 gone it's been a tough year especially for the new england patriots all right terrible segue i apologize but the patriots get this they are seven and a half point dogs against the baltimore ravens this week they're hosting the baltimore ravens this is the most points new england has gotten as a home underdog since 2001 and to be honest i think they should be getting more points because i think you can make the argument that the new england patriots are the worst team in the nfl right now and i know the jets are still playing but they did not have their starting quarterback last week don't get me wrong what do you make of the line and what do you make of my hot take proclamation I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think you're actually completely right. It's funny, like, every week when we look at these lines, I remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I kept saying, like, I don't think that it could be high enough. And, you know, I was hearing, like, divisional game, you know, Cowboys, how they're going to approach that game and keep it simple and try to grind out a win. And, you know, even with all the mistakes Carson Wentz made in that game, they still managed to cover the double-digit spread. And I look at a matchup this week like the Ravens-Patriots, and I think it's similar circumstances where if you're looking too much into the trends and you're looking a little too hard into what these teams have been over the years, you could almost cross yourself up a little bit. And I think that's true with the New England Patriots. For so long, they were so good and always found a way, even when some of those teams on paper didn't look um 
didn't look like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Year after year, they kept finding ways to win. Uh, there's a big difference this year, and I'm not just talking about that quarterback. I think both on the offense and the defensive side of the football, they're just so beaten up, whether it's injuries, um, COVID opt-outs, guys that they've lost in free agency over time, um, just uh, Super Bowl run after Super Bowl run after Super Bowl run, and it's finally caught up to them. You know, it's funny. You would never think talking about a Bill Belichick-led Patriots team that they would have to come back from down double digits just to beat Joe Flacco and the Jets in a primetime game. But that's the spot where we're at right now. And I think, to your point, you know, they're getting a little bit more credit than they deserve. And it's in part because of the uh, logo on their helmets. You know, when you look at the times that they've been underdogs this year, they've been underdogs three times. They've lost all three times. You look on the flip side, Baltimore Ravens. They're 10-0 and straight up in their past 10 games when they've been favored by six points or more. Now, you look at their losses. You know, they lost a couple pretty good teams in the Chiefs and the Steelers. And, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to say Lamar Jackson has to be a little bit more efficient and he can't afford to turn the football over. But I really do think that Baltimore still has another level that they haven't showed us yet this season that they can get to. And when I look at the Ravens, they're the type of team where if they fall behind early in the game, you know, they can make it a little bit more difficult than a lot of people think it should have to be for them to come back from that. But they're also the type of team when they get a lead and they're able to run the football and they're going to be able to tee off on the Patriots run game this week knowing full well that Cam Newton doesn't have the weapons to stretch the field. I think that this is the type of game where they could win and win big. And, hey, it's a perfect chance for them to really make a statement and get their season back on track. John Padua, the executive producer of TSN, our guest, TSN Edge, our guest here on The Edge. And I need to get your take on the Arizona Cardinals roasting the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the cards are two-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think everybody was, and how could you not be impressed with what Baltimore did last week? They dismantled a quality football team in the Seattle Seahawks. But I'm a big supporter of betting Arizona this week. I think their run game with Kenyon Drake, who I think is going to return, he's questionable, but it sounds like Cliff Kingsbury, tough to mm-hmm. say, uh, yeah. made it seem like Kenyon Drake will be back. So with the Drake-Edmonds duo, and we know what Kyler Murray can do on the ground, Buffalo can't stop the run. What do you make of this line, and what do you make of the Bills as a whole, Dom? Yeah, I agree with you that if the Cardinals are going to win this game, it's going to have to be – with Kyler Murray, not just with his arm, but with his legs and the ability to really um, make a stand on that offensive line. I was absolutely blown away by the Bills' performance, especially by their defense last season. And it wasn't just that they were able to contain the Seahawks' run game. I mean, Seahawks' run game hasn't been good for a little while. Their offensive line uh, isn't exactly what you would call elite. They have some, obviously, huge holes on that offensive line. But just their ability to keep Russell Wilson off track all game from start to finish. There was no adjustment made by the Seahawks. Russell Wilson was constantly under pressure, took five sacks. I thought Trey White had a brilliant game against DK Metcalf for the large part. And, you know, going back to your point about that, the run game and and the offensive line, the Cardinals, they ranked second in pass block win rate this season. And I think if they can do a better job protecting Kyler Murray and, to your point, open up holes on the ground, I think the Cardinals will have a better chance than the Seahawks did. But look, I think in, in I think Buffalo last week showed that for the most part, whether it's the Seahawks or most other teams in the NFL, they're going to be able to give teams a heck of a shot week in and week out. 
And for whatever reason, they've been really good against the NFC. They've won six of their last seven against NFC. You know, we talked about the NFC West as the best division in football. Those have already beaten the Rams. They've already beaten the Seahawks. And they keep being told, hey, you know, you're not good enough. You look at the Chiefs, you look at the Steelers, the Ravens, which we just talked about. Bills aren't getting any respect. So they're going to keep fighting for it. I think Josh Allen, you know, he's, he's had his ups and downs. He did deal with that shoulder injury, but I think he's a better quarterback than most people give him credit for. And I'm not talking about going back to the last couple of seasons. I'm just talking about the ability to accept what he's done this year with Stephon Diggs and John Brown and even a guy like Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley. Like, this is a really good offense. They're still evolving. They're still getting better. I think it's going to be a close game, but ultimately I think it will come down to whether the Cardinals' offensive line can block for Kyler Murray, can open up run lanes, and they can possess the ball, win that time of possession, keep the Bills' offense off the field, and put up some points. Dom, Al's brother and I were discussing earlier a stat about Teddy Bridgewater, who is 21-4 and against the spread in his career as an underdog, and his Panthers underdogs yeah. six point underdogs against the bucks this week at home and the bucks put up one of probably the most embarrassing performance of the nfl season against the saints on sunday night of course that followed a embarrassing performance against the new york giants the week previous where they snuck out a win uh, in the last couple minutes of that game what do yeah. you make of the bucks and their chances to cover the six points at carolina this week well I'll start with this. I don't like it. Um, I don't like it with the six and a half points. And the reason is pretty simple. So to your point, Teddy covers. He's done a phenomenal job over the course of his career covering the spread. Uh, coming off of a loss in his career, he's 15-4 and four against the spread. Um, going into this game, I think Carolina showed last week against the Chiefs that they can hang around with really good teams playing the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Uh, and they ended up almost winning that game. They were in it until the very end. Now they get to go home against the Bucks. Bucks, you know, uh, one thing that I'll, I have to mention is it's this idea of expectation of what a team can be without showing that they can be that first. So I'm a big believer. You got to show me that you are a Super Bowl contender before I'm going to buy it. It can't just be all the pieces. The Bucks look absolutely terrible on Sunday night football. And now there's this big expectation. Hey, you're playing Carolina. It's a great matchup. You know, on paper, guy getting guys involved, getting guys healthy. And, you know, I kind of bought into the hype a little bit last week with the Buccaneers. I thought, you know, with the matchups, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin back, although he's still clearly not healthy, and Antonio Brown making his debut. I thought that was going to be a much closer game than it obviously was. Um, but now after watching the way Tampa Bay fall apart, and it wasn't just their offense. Their defense, going back to that game against the Giants, I really thought the Giants' offense led a lot of big plays uh, on the field. And that concerns me a little bit going into this matchup because Bridgewater's not turning over the football. He's running when he has to. They've done a good job with those receivers, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, of consistently moving the football down the field. And I just, you know, straight up fine. I think, you know, Bucks have a pretty good chance to win that game. But when you talk about giving six and a half points to a Carolina team and a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater – that's been so good for so long at covering the spread. There's no way I'm touching the Bucks at six and a half, and I won't touch the Bucks at a number like that until they show me that they can actually execute on the field and cover a touchdown against a pretty good divisional opponent. 
Don, we talk about Survivor Pool every week. Well, at least until I'm eliminated in mine. Then we don't need, then we don't need to talk about it. But I'm still alive. I'm still alive. It was a big sweat last week, though. I think you are with me. With I had the Pittsburgh Steelers, and oh yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a tough one. There was a bunch of close ones. KC almost lost. Houston almost lost to Jacksonville. Where are you leaning this week? Because I'm I'm looking at the Packers. They're 13 point favorites hosting the Jags, and that seems like the obvious pick to me. Where are you leaning? Yeah, I'm leaning I'm leaning Packers as well. And look, to your point, like a couple weeks ago I took Philly, sweated that one out last week. Somehow I'm sweating out the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Dallas Cowboys. I can't believe it. I actually put one play on the Patriots just because my mind couldn't accept the idea that Bill Belichick would lose to Adam Gase with Joe Flacco at quarterback. And that almost happened. And so I'm oh, looking yeah. at I'm looking at it this week and I'm thinking like, look, there's no such thing as an easy win in a survivor pool anymore, but Aaron Rodgers, 15-2 and two straight up in his career when he's favored by 12 points or more. Rodgers is healthy. Devontae Adams is healthy. Aaron Jones is healthy. Look, I'm not taking them to cover that spread, but when you look at survivor pool picks this week, if you have Green Bay at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars who haven't been able to do anything against anyone, you're going to feel comfortable making that play. Um, it's a lot tougher, I think, if you don't have them available, especially as we get late in the season here. But another team that I'd consider as well is this the New Orleans Saints. Um, mm-hmm. I still can't figure out why they don't get the respect that I think that they deserve. Uh, even going into last week's game against the Bucks, they were divisional underdogs. Some spots uh, still had the Bucks at better Super Bowl odds than the Saints, even after the Saints destroyed them on Sunday night football. Um, they're, they're rolling right, right now, the Saints, and I don't trust the 49ers. So I'll probably go heavy on the Packers. I'm, I'm considering New Orleans as an alternative app option just so that if something bad happens to Green Bay, I'm not completely wiped out. But I do feel pretty comfortable in the Packers. I think they should be able to get a job, the job done against a pretty bad Jacksonville team this week. I'm with you, Dom. Thank you for doing this as always, my friend. We will speak to you next Friday evening. Of course. I'm looking forward to it. Good luck this weekend, guys. Yes, sir. That is Dom Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge. The grappler, he was away last week. We had Carlo Koliakovo step in his place, but Graps has returned from vacation. He and Al's brother join me next for the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. The Pound the Table Picks of the Week were not the same last week because we were missing our man, the Grappler, while Carlo Koliakovo did a decent job filling Grappler's, what, you have a 12 size 14 shoes, Graps? He did an okay job, but we need you back, and I'm glad to welcome Keith Bauer, the grappler, back to the edge. What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. How was the week without me? It was terrible. It was just me staring at Al's brother through Zoom, and you, as you know, that is not a pleasant feeling. Hey, Al's brother. I enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was great, <laughs> just you and I. Best week the show's had. <laughs> yes, I will say, during the conference calls, during your absence, Graps, a lot of very, very complimentary comments about Al's brother's performance as producer. I uh, might, might be sweating a little bit if I were you. Oh no, I am one hundred percent. And our, uh, you know, our, our boss Jeff McDonald tells me that every time I take time mm-hmm. off. So yeah. it, it might be time to just cancel my vacation plans for the rest of my life. I mean, yeah, I, I, a, I really yeah. I, there's 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 no purpose anymore. 
he suggested I do the same. All right, so Graps, you were away last week, so we'll give you the floor. Who are your two pound-the-table picks of the week? Okay, I'll try and make this quick. I know we're up against the clock here, but for pick number one, I am taking the Eagles at 3.5 over the Giants. I am a Giants fan, so this does hurt me, but the Eagles have dominated the Giants in past years. They've won eight straight matchups uh, versus the Giants. You could thank Eli Manning for a lot of those, but... I mean, let's be honest, Daniel Jones isn't that much better. Uh, Eagles are coming off the bye. They're getting healthy. You know, Jalen Rager is back for his second consecutive week. Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey makes his 2020 debut. You got right tackle Lane Johnson coming back. So the Eagles are looking a lot better heading into this week than they have in past weeks. And the Giants haven't even played too badly the past couple weeks. Barely lost to the Bucks on Monday night a couple weeks ago. Hung on versus the Washington football team last week. But the Giants have really struggled to protect Daniel Jones. They've given up 28 sacks so far on the year. Something that should continue. Uh, the Eagles have also have gotten 28 sack 28 sacks on the season that puts them third in the NFL. Uh, you had Daniel Jones mistake free last week, but I have seen this song and dance before. He won't do it back to back weeks. Expect the Eagles to win with ease. That's game number one. Game number two, taking the Saints over the 49ers at nine points. Uh, this is actually kind of a disappointing matchup. Uh, if you remember last season, it gave, this matchup gave us one of our best games of the year uh, with the 49ers coming out on top 48 uh, 46 on a last second field goal. Not the same 49ers team this time around. You got Nick Mullins at the helm. No Raheem Mostert, no Debo Samuel. The 49ers have 19 players on injured reserve right now. That's not a winning formula. Um, if the 49ers can keep it a low-scoring game, they might have a chance to keep it close, but the Saints are really feeling good about themselves after just destroying Brady and the Bucks last week. Uh, you got Kamara rolling, Michael Thomas is back, Taysom Hill continues to get more involved, and big revenge game to watch out for with Emmanuel Sanders facing his former squad. Um, I also don't think that Sean Payton is going to let his team forget about that high-scoring loss last season that I mentioned earlier, so got to take the Saints to win big at home. Well, Grapper, you've been leading the Pound the Table Picks of the Week standings all season long, but I caught up to you last week with my 1-1 one one record. You and Al's bro went 0-2, so hopefully that trend continues. Al's brother, who are your two Pound the Table Picks of the Week? Ooh, I am hoping that that reverses real quick. And uh, for my first game, I'm pounding the tables on the Buffalo Bills, who are the road dogs in Arizona, and I just don't get it. Kyler Murray's balling out right now, sure, but this is a Cards team that lost to Detroit, lost to Carolina, Miami, and they just squeaked out a win against Seattle in overtime, and that's their only win against a team over 500. I think there's some sort of false sense of how good this team is. They're 5-3, and three, but they've had the second easiest schedule so far this season, and last I checked, Buffalo is not an easy team to beat. Uh, on You know, they're They've got a win over Miami. They had a statement win over the Seahawks, a statement win over the Raiders. Josh Allen broke out of his funk last week. I think he keeps it going this week. The defense is starting to come around. They kept Wilson at bay last week. I expect the same for Kyler Murray on Sunday, and the Bills will roll in Arizona, taking the road dogs. Bills plus two and a half. And let's head to the Sunday nighter for my second pick, where I like the Ravens minus seven, and this is going to be a gross game once again. Uh, we got a real taste about how bad this New England team is this week when they just squeaked out a win over the Jets. Meanwhile, there's been a lot of talk about the Ravens' offense being sniffed out a little bit, and you got to think that Bill Belichick is going to have a game plan that's ready for it. But I do think that it's a good bet that Baltimore is going to be adding a wrinkle or two to their playbook to kind of disguise things a little bit. That should result in a few more trips to the end zone, something I don't expect to see Cam Newton and company doing against this Ravens defense. So a seven-point edge seems like an easy cover for Baltimore here, taking the Ravens minus seven. 
All right, it's not often I call my picks locks, but in this case, in this week, these are absolute locks. Al's brother, I'm with you on the Ravens. This is a complete joke of a line. The Ravens should be favored by double digits against the Patriots, who may be the worst team in the NFL. That is not a hot take. This team is atrocious. They snuck out a win against the Jets, who had their backup quarterback in the lineup. Joe Flacco, yes, he's still in the NFL. He is very, very old and very, very washed up, and he led the Jets to 27 points of offense. That's a major problem for the Patriots. Their defense sucks. Their offense sucks. And to be honest, Bill Belichick, great coach, horrible general manager. And that will become very apparent when the Ravens decimate them on Sunday night. Also, my second pick, the Houston Texans are awful. Awful team. We talked about the Jets and the Cowboys who have been so bad against the spread this season. Houston is 1-7 against the spread. And now... Cleveland coming off a bye. Baker Mayfield had that week to rest, that week to get healthy. I think Nick Chubb's coming back. And that run game, huge, huge for the Browns. You're going to have Chubb and you're going to have Kareem Hunt. The Browns are fourth in yards per rush. The Texans are 31st in yards per rush allowed. This game won't be close. Three points for the Browns. Lock it in. I'm just going to mark my 2-0 and week now and move on to week 11. Uh, those are the pound-the-table picks of the week. Oh, I was very confident in those. Al's brother, if I'm wrong, please erase the audio from our archives. Uh, Grappler, do you have a master's pick for the weekend? <laughs> Let's just pick Tiger for the hell of it. Let's go. Hey, all right. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. He needs to finish strong in his second round starting at 11, though. Uh, that's going to be early. It's going to be a long day for Tiger. Al's brother, do you have a Masters pick for us? Let's go with Justin Thomas as the winner right now. Let's let's go with Thomas. JT. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, I want to go someone a little bit lower on the board because, yeah, you can go with Rom or DJ or JT. Go with you know Paul what? I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. I'm going with Brooks Kepka. Brooks, he's getting it done. He's going to have a big, sat- big Saturday and a big Sunday, and he's going to be putting on that green jacket on Sunday afternoon. Graps, thank you for doing this as always. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's great to have you back as part of our program. Al's brother, a terrific job as always. You've been listening to Pound the Table Picks of the Week right here on The Edge for this Friday evening.